No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Welcome to Motel Hell. I am Ben the Beardo with Dick Dick the Fetty. And who else do we have here, Dick Fetty? We've got uh, Mr. Unclean himself. Hey, hey. So, can I call you Mika, or is that, is that sure? Fine? Okay. So, uh, yeah, welcome, Mika. We've it's sort of humorous. We've been talking about doing this interview for like over a year, and now. White Centipede Noise has this, you know, rapid fire interview series going and they've got, there's some noise extras been doing lots of great stuff. And I'm like, now I feel like I'm trying to jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> I swear we had this planned for ages. We just never executed it. But, uh, well, I was first. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the show though. Yeah. Thank you. Great to be here. So we're we, assuming that you're a huge fan of the show too. Yeah. He's, he's number one. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> you subscribe to the Patreon we don't have. And I know that you're always checking out our OnlyFans content that we don't update. So yeah. So, uh, it's what a seven hour time difference, right? It's, it's uh six o'clock your time. Yeah. And it's 11 for us, right? Correct. Yikes. So I thought we could we could do this a because obviously you and I have a long history. I was trying to figure it out earlier. It's been since what two thousand and eleven or ten? I think we first started talking. Or eleven, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, now we're sort of at the place where I've visited you three times, and you've stayed over my place one time, and you know it's it's been it's been a fucking decade. So a friendship for the ages. Yeah, a fucking decade. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's been a long while. I know. And, you know, we'll we'll get into the story in a little bit, but it is, I, I fondly think of the last multi-day bender I ever went on was with you in Finland, getting kicked out of bars and refused to be served alcohol because I was, quote, too drunk. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen that happen at that bar. It was the first fucking time. Yeah, I I made uh, I made history. So <laughs> yeah, you certainly did. And I don't even remember it. That's the best part. It was like the next day you were like, yeah, they wouldn't even serve you. I was like, really? That happened? You were like, yeah. Oh, there we go. But um, you mean to tell me you were American trash on day one, Dick Fetty? It's true. It's true. International nightmare. But um, yeah. So I guess why don't we we jump into the origins? So tell me a little bit about both the the project and kind of how it came about and and then I, I want to talk a little bit about sort of your journey into noise in general and, and that kind of thing project came about um i was friends with this guy when i was living in Kuopio, and um i bought some records from him he used to run the a label called black arts productions oh yeah and we kind of hit off pretty good and we arranged a gig with Grunt, Bizarre Uproar, and Cloama playing. And then we started to toy around the idea, why not make some music ourselves? So we kind of slowly put the thing together, got a rehearsal space, and da-da-da. And then I kind of 
got my idea to also make my solo stuff there. So that's how Unclean came about. And so was Insular the stuff you did with him? Yeah. Because I think I have what? You guys did like a biz card and I think I have the second tape I want to say. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to remember that gig. Was that the one where they, they gave you guys all sorts of like uh, volume problems or was that a different one? That's the one, yeah. Even the <laughs> police paid a visit when Bizarre Opera was playing. Of course. And I feel, I mean, until this day, I feel a little ashamed about it because we were the, arranging the fucking gig and we did jack shit. We were just watching, like, the things happen. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I feel like everybody's has who's hosted a gig has done it a few times and made some mistakes. So, you know, but it's also tough because it's like, you assume when you arrange a gig that you can play loud music, it's a fucking gig, you know? Like, who yeah. would think? Yeah, I can't tell you how many local shows I've been to around our area, and the cops have almost always showed up. Yeah. One time they showed wow. up with uh, flashlights out, smacking them against their hands. We should leave. Yeah. Well, that's um, <laughs> Heaven's Gate, who, which is run by Rachel Slur from uh, Candy Ricotta, and uh, I can't think of that the name of her solo project right now, but she's over in um, Philly and like, they just have, they play in the basement of her house in a residential neighborhood. And it's like, I wouldn't say it's a rough, rough neighborhood, especially by Philly standards, but it's not like you, you've been there. It's not the nicest neighborhood, but they just have the shows until either the cops show up or the show's over. And so I've played a couple gigs there, and it's always like, will I get to play? I guess the cops will decide, but... Uh, <laughs> no one showed up... That's uh, wild. Yeah, no no cops showed up last time we were there. Yeah. But I feel like in Finland, right, it's a little tougher to do those kinds of rough-and-ready venue spaces. Uh, like, I know in the States, it's super common for people to do kind of basically like noise shows at their house or things like that. Yeah. And uh, But that doesn't happen much in Finland, right? No, not at all. I I would, couldn't even imagine that happening. Yeah, you guys are more polite, so we are not. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I've always wondered that thing about United States. I mean, like in back in the punk days, where there would be house shows and stuff like that. Sounds pretty interesting to have like Black Flag playing at your house. Oh yeah. Well, it's there used to be a venue called the Corpse Fortress in D.C. I mean, there's D.C.'s famous for its like basically residential punk venues, but you know, kind of, part of it depends on the neighborhood. It's like, the there are places, like, for example, in with Heaven's Gate, cops in Philly don't normally come unless there's literal gunshots or, like, reports of active violence. So a noise complaint is just, like, depending on the neighborhood, not that big of a deal to them. And similarly with the place, the Corpse Fortress in D.C., they owned this house, which at least was not connected. It wasn't a row home. But it was like, you know, you'd have 200 people in and out of this house and they're hosting, you know, like Grindcore for six hours. And that part of D.C., the cops are like, eh, I don't really give a shit. So that's one benefit of like having having a proper amount of crime. Cops have better things to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, you also have to worry, of course, that your car's going to get broken into while you're at the show. But you, you got to take the good with the bad so how often do you have something important in your car when you're going to that show though? no not often so <laughs> it's true so that was then 2011 2012 when insular and unclean started yeah pretty much 
And was there like a specific either style or idea or anything going into it? Or was it just sort of like, I think I can do this too, or? Well, um, well, I think we were doing insular and we had this, like we were total newbies to making noise and stuff like that. So we had this idea that we're going to record everything live through like one amp. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's not going to work. So we were like banging our head against the wall for a long time. And then I was kind of digging around at the rehearsal space on my own and kind of figuring out how things work. And then I just started getting kind of sound I was into more like at the time. Of course, I was a huge filth and violence fanatic. So I was kind of trying to emulate something along those lines. Mm Mm-hmm. That raw, piercing, unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some, like, you know, 80s Italy stuff and Mauthausen Orchestra and so on. Sure. Was there any particular gear that shaped that sound, or was it whatever you could afford, or...? Well, I was basically using the uh, all the gear that the other guy in Insular was bringing to, to the rehearsal space. But I think the most instrumental thing on those early tapes was the... Uh, the Tapco mixer, because that thing made like the most perfect feedback loop with pedals. Okay. I've I haven't been able to replicate that since. Yeah, that was like my uh, my early mixer I had that I used. The one that we blew up at the, I think it was the show, the first show we played together. But it could, I'm pretty sure when I plugged it in and I blew it out. But it it used to get this digital clipping that was not so much. Uh, it was just like a saturated overdrive slash clipping kind of a thing. And any better mixer is better for every other thing. But just for that sole purpose of like extreme excruciating feedback was was my favorite. So I hear you. Yeah, I've, I've been kind of thinking about maybe getting one from eBay or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could get back to that old school sound. But then again... I don't know if I have the interest anymore. Sure. Uh, did you start doing uh, like metal abuse and all that at the same time, or did that kind of come in a little later? It came later, I think. I I didn't have any metal work on the early tapes. I think the first <clears throat> metal things I did was the for the uh, collab songs we did for okay. the Art of Deviance. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought, because I went through... Last night and the couple of days leading into this, I've re-listened to most of your discography, and I li- I listened to Obscenities first last night, and was just like, oh my god, this is the most ugly sounding shit, like in a good way, but like just wildly unpleasant. And I, you know, I mean, sometimes the metal can be hidden under the effects, so that's why I asked. But I was like, it's just a lot of twitchy, you know, like you said, that sort of Italian style. So.
Yeah, I really, even today, I really like the sound of that first tape. Well, then again, the first release always has a special place in your heart. Yeah. So how did you hook up with Pazzy and Filth and Violence? Was that just like you were already buying stuff from them and then sent them a demo or how that how that happened? Pretty much, pretty much like that. I've, I've been a customer for a while and of course at the time it was like the pinnacle for me to get a release on Filth and Violence. And sure. I sent the, sent the demo tape to Pazzy and Pekka and they both were interested. But of course when Pazzy offered to release it, I went with that. So Yeah. So then that's how you wound up doing one for Pekka shortly thereafter? Yeah. Okay. I kind of felt that I owed a release to him. Okay. Of the two, do you have a favorite, I guess, obscenities just for sentimental reasons? or? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like I like a lot the... Um, what, it's Deranged is the one on Untergeschoss, right? Yeah. 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 The, the, I think the combination... You know, that was sort of too when Sai, I feel like, was doing a lot of stuff for a lot of different artists at the time and his his artwork was it's still like very much his style but i thought matched the kind of unpleasant and like slightly more refined sounds comparative to obscenities at the time like it i thought that was a good combo so yeah yeah the artworks were fantastic but then then again they were printed on like xerox paper or something like that so (laughs) they didn't quite kind of get the proper treat but still yeah no it is funny with especially the untergeschoss i think and i know at some point i guess by the time he did the compilation he started getting it some of the stuff like professionally printed or um mm, yeah but, you know a lot of those early releases were just you know because it was the same with my debut on on untergeschoss was just xerox paper so which oh, i get that's first tape was on that huh. yeah wait what was that oh yeah yeah it was your first yeah, like proper the, tape was on his label, yeah. Yeah, because that was the answer in the ashes, and then I had done the live tape for Pazzy too, right, right before that, I think it was. So, the damn shame I missed that first gig you played in Helsinki. Yeah, I think we were supposed to meet up, right? But you were, I think, yeah. sick or busy, or I mean, it was tough. I don't it was know, New Year's probably, Day. Prob- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was a little bit difficult date for me to make it there. Yeah. Well, having done the train ride from Kuopio to Helsinki, um, hungover myself, I know that that's not just a lot of fun. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was. I, I felt a little bit worried when I took you to the train. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, well, that was you were, uh, you were fucked. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Well, because it was just drinking vodka from the jug for like a day and a half straight, and then having to walk two kilometers or whatever it was to the train station the next day at like five in the morning and oh yeah that was that was glorious you were hauling that huge luggage of yours and you were like every five minutes like i'm gonna have a heart attack (laughs) (laughs) and i had i had that i no, that was i didn't wear my huge coat that trip but yeah no i mean and the best part of all of it was that was already my second trip to to finland i had taken the train many times to different places and when I went to get on the train, you were like, well, what's your seat number? And I was like, there's seat numbers on these tickets? And you were like, of course. And I, mean, I just started laughing because I had never known and no one ever told me. And I would just sit wherever I chose. And then I guess everybody assumed this drunken American was best just to be left alone. Yeah, you're just belligerent and scary. I wasn't that belligerent, but mm. yeah. Um, at least on the way back. Yeah. <laughs> just beaten down at that point. But, um, 
Oh shit. So uh so you did then um there's the the three way live on Obscurix and was that was that a live set for you? I can't remember on that tape. That's like the very first gig I ever played. Okay. And was that at Conti or was that somewhere else? Yeah, that was also the very first Conti night. Oh no shit, okay. Yeah. Do you remember who else played then? Uh I think Musta Oxenus. It's a grindcore band. Okay. And then um, who else was playing? Will Over Matter played. Nice. And then there was another band from Turku, which I can't remember the name. Anal Barbara, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also. Okay. It was a really short night. It was like maybe one hour of music. Yeah, a bunch of noisecore bands and then <laughs> yeah. a new Power Electronics project. Everybody's just like pulling the plug as soon as they can. Yeah, that was like one hour, including the switches between the bands. Which so. <laughs> night? Oh shit! Well, that that sounds like a good good time. I I have to say I have not heard the that tape in quite a while, but it was funny just looking through the discography, which is you know you've got I think it's sort of the classic thing of early in your in the career. It's like we're very active and we have maybe well at least for myself it was like most everything I was putting together I thought was good enough to release where now like I'll have more unreleased material from a recording session than than used material but it's you know you've got like four or five releases sort of banged out pretty quickly and then and then you'd start taking longer gaps with the the CD album and then later the well I guess there's some contracts mixed in and all that but then the the live tape and then don't really come back again until Kalari 3 was yeah. there was there a reason for that, or was it just sort of like that early enthusiasm and plus having the time to do it? Or I guess it was part of that early enthusiasm, and then I was getting like offers, so I was like, "Well, what the hell? Why not do it?" Sure. And uh, well, maybe maybe some releases or maybe some songs were a little bit forced. Now that I think back to them, mm-hmm. but I think all of all of those early releases are pretty good. But uh, yeah, then I started to take longer breaks because I actually wanted to uh, focus more on the sound and kind of create the vision that I had in my head. And mm-hmm. that actually took a, quite a while, and especially trying to come, uh, come up with uh, recording methods because I had rehearsal space no more. So it became a little bit more difficult. So at that point, had you moved from Kuopio to Oulu, or was that later? Yeah. Or? Okay. Transition. And, uh, well, then again, I had no rehearsal space in Oulu either, so it took a quite a while to uh, get a like a stable recording setup. The stuff you used to do, and I won't even try to pronounce the CD title, but... Uh, can you say it for me just so the fans can hear? Oh, yeah. Syntin Lankemus. Yeah, that's not how I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Which translates to, uh, it's the biblical term for the uh, for the fall of man. Oh, nice. Okay.
the, the gear that you had for that, is that sort of the gear you're still using now or has that changed since then too? Not that much, actually. I think my recording methods have refined quite a lot because that CD is, is uh, well, it's a little bit of a mess, if I would say. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like maybe recorded in a two-year period of time and pieces from here and there and stuff like that. And I think uh, maybe a lot of people were really a little bit off-put by the CD because it had totally different sound than mm -hmm. the material before. So, um, yeah. But I, I have kind of stuck with that kind of theme, synths, vocals, metal banging, and samples. That's kind of my thing nowadays. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. For me, the... It was, I guess, a little less surprising because even when we had tried to play, well, I mean, I guess we kind of played the show in 2012. Like, we were already, at least as far as collaboratively, doing a lot of, like, that combination of synth, metal, and, and all the rest. And even though it didn't come out the way it did in the practice session, you know, I guess we had talked a lot about that. So like when, when this came out, it was just, it, to me, it seemed like, Oh, this is finally, you're kind of in the place of being able to put out what you're hearing in your head onto the, the tracks. And so even though it's very different, like I'm a huge fan. I mean, I, I like that heavy electronics and heavy synth oriented stuff, but I think it's got a very nice, it feels like a complete album to me. So well, yeah, that's true. It's uh, it isn't it is it has like this theme running through it, and I think the songs have this kind of same type of atmosphere all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even the vocal approach is pretty varied. Like I think of "Who Are You" versus some of the rest of them, which has that like really interesting vocal effecting on it, and. Uh... I don't know, like, you know me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fucking techno guy, so give me a bunch of synths and some menacing vibes and I'm there, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I totally understand having issues, like, with, I would change this, that, and the other thing about pretty much every album I have, but to me, when I hear it, I'm just like, no, this is, this is great, I would be very happy if I released this, so. Do you still have the, uh, rehearsal recording of that gig? <sighs> I think so. I'm sure it's somewhere on my hard drive. I know it, at least 
didn't he, he used to be up on the SoundCloud, but I'm guessing he took the SoundCloud down. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 he did. Yeah, I probably That was a good it. recording. Yeah, it was very quiet was the only problem, but it was, it mm. was pretty solid. Yeah, at least we have that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's still the videos that the, um, the one guy who played with us took, uh, so every time I want to remember what it looks like when I'm drinking, I can just watch <laughs> those videos and it's very depressing. So I think Nico also videotaped it, like the whole gig. Oh, did he? I don't There's think a full video of it. I don't think I've seen that then. Because unless he posted it to YouTube and I missed it, I've seen the one. No, that... he didn't. Okay, okay. Yeah. Is he still around at all? Because I know Conti closed, what, last year? The year before? Uh, yeah, I think it was about a year ago. Nico is living in Latvia now, I think, oh. with his wife and stuff like that. Okay. So did he, um, I know, like, wasn't he doing that fentanyl project and some other shit like that? I think. Uh, do, you, do you mean fentanyl and stuff like that? Meaning Nico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he had uh, Hygienia with another guy and then fentanyl with another guy. Um. And masturbate his own solo project. Right, right. I just remember when he was doing the the fentanyl project. It was, it seemed like probably not just um, a theme in an abstract sense, but like shit he was going through, which is just yep. uh, not you know. I mean, being in recovery myself and and Ben knows too. Like, it's just a bad place to be. So I was sort of like not shocked when. Conti closed, but was hoping it wasn't because, like, he was living in a gutter or anything like that. I'm glad to hear he's married and, you know, hopefully not addicted to fentanyl, so. <laughs> I think he's doing all right. But I think, uh, I don't know, it's it's kind of, it was time for Conti to close down, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It had kind of run its course already, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean. It's a logical point for it to stop. Sure. And I think when you think about the amount of good bands and projects a tiny shipping container in a yard full of shipping containers could ever see, it sort of lived the best life of a shipping container. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think they had to, like, demolish the whole fucking thing after Nico <laughs> left because <laughs> there was so much, like, like, blood and mold and used syringes and shit like that there so yeah 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 sounds like home yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i don't remember who told me but when they were cleaning up the uh conti sometime before it closed down and someone like peeked under the carpet and there was like a layer of rotten blood and whatever yeah it's one of those things where when you see a venue in the cold light of day, it's always an ugly, ugly thing, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. when it's a shipping container. Do we do we tell the story of you playing that shipping container on the podcast? Oh, I'm sure we... Oh, I've played it a couple of times, but I'm sure we have, yeah. Talking about the bad time. Yeah. I oh, think. yeah, yeah, when you broke the window and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I broke the only window in a tiny shipping container by accident when I threw my pedal in frustration at the floor. At the end of the gig. It was Yeah, what that was a freak accident. You were like so upset that yeah. you took the octave pedal and smashed it on the floor, it bounced to the window and 
It was like perfect ending. And the the best part was that the the octave pedal broke after that for a while, and then eventually, I don't know, I think like the pieces of metal just like sort of fell back together in the right place, and now it kind of works. Like it doesn't work the way it's supposed to, but it's it's sort of like I have a unique one of a kind <laughs> smashed octave pedal that customized <laughs> octave pedal. <laughs> and it's been to places, so yeah, yeah, it's part of my. Um, I normally run it as one of my feedback loops just by itself because it it just does like its own weird shit now and it's kind of almost like having a noise generator uh but it's a little unreliable in terms of how it's going to operate so but yeah I mean I guess I guess we could regale the the audience with the that gig before we move on um I mean, I would love to hear it from your perspective. I, I know we've talked about it before, but I guess before I get into what happened from my perspective. Uh, I guess we should start from the morning. Sure. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> yeah. ominous. I took the train ride and, uh, from Kopio to Helsinki, and I think I dropped off at Lahti because you were staying at the Mikos place. Right. There. And we basically, well, I think we... Opened the first beers in the car, and that was pretty much how the day rolled by. Because it was a long day. We were, like, at noon at yeah. Conti, and we had, like, fucking six hours' time to kill. So, of course, we did what all board men do. <laughs> I think the gig was... I mean, the lineup was pretty fucking good that night. Because Antti Oksanen was playing... He played that really good loop set, yeah. if you remember. I, that's the and one thing I remember, was it being like, that was like, this is fucking great, and then a cue waking up in a car. So, <laughs> Yeah, and Chains of Death Command played. That was really good gig, probably the last gig they played. And they played that 10-minute Nick Cave song. That's okay. Anyways, yeah, yeah. And our gig, I think uh, I didn't notice anything was going wrong until everything was going wrong but i think it was uh, an okay gig in the end i mean it wasn't that terrible yeah. i think yeah and i remember basically like it was the cuz we had a it was it was sort of a back and forth i think we started with a synth like a track based on my synth then we did uh what was it seven deadly shots is that the movie yeah we had that sample eight, eight deadly eight, shots eight yeah. deadly shots one short and uh, and then it was like we went into your track, and then it was supposed to do American Psycho, and then we went back into the other track, and then it was, and then we were gonna do something after that. I just, I think it was like by the time we went to switch the second or the third time, my phone wouldn't like, or I think I had like an iPad touch or an iPod touch or some horribly inappropriate thing with my sense on it because I couldn't get other shit to work, and. Uh, I couldn't get the synth to start. Then the sound wouldn't come out. And it was like, we had like so much feedback and you're, you had the chains with the metal and this got the screaming. You don't notice it at first, but no. then at some point it was like all the things stopped working on my end. And yeah, I was just watching when you were, when you were gonna switch the synth and you were like trying to get the thing to work or maybe try to get it open or something like that. But <laughs> it was a turning point. Yeah, and I, it's funny because the, the 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 couple other things I really remember well are like the first one being that the night before I had stayed at Miko's house and I was 
I had this big bottle of um, Maker's Mark. And so we were talking and I was like, oh, do you want to have a drink? And we wound up drinking like two thirds of this handle of Maker's Mark. So I was basically still drunk the next morning because I had hardly eaten anything because I, I think that that night before was my first night in since, you know, since my plane ride. And uh, the only thing we ate all day, or at least I ate all day, was when we went to McDonald's and I had like two chicken sandwiches or something like that at like two o'clock. Wow. And then, and then I just drank bourbon and beer for the next 10 hours. And so I, I can remember at some point talking to someone and being like, I'm fine. <laughs> Last show I played, I was blacked out and it went great. <laughs> and then... Oh yeah, I remember you telling that, and I still have that picture of you with that empty bourbon bottle, oh, like yeah, having yeah, this yeah. smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember saying to you at one point, and and I I want to ask you about this too, actually. Um, but I was like, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the initials for our project in my chest, and you were like. Well, last time Levos did this, like, it, he had to go to the hospital, so don't do that. Like, this is the second day of your trip, and I was like, I think I'm going to do it. And you were like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then Yeah, I remember that, yeah. I didn't even have, like, a proper box cutter or, like, a proper straight razor or anything like that. I had broken off a piece of a razor from, like, a Gillette like shaving razor and so I, it was this tiny little thin strip and so i'm like trying to carve it into my chest but it's not even like particularly an effective visual baby's first self-harm yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly i was just in the back of pekka's car or somebody's and like woke up covered in blood and i was like where are we and they just all start laughing and pulled off to get me a donut and coffee and tell me what happened so yeah it was um appropriate. i'm sorry go ahead appropriate ending for the gig because i remember at one point i think it was my part to do the vocals and stuff like that and you were just standing there and like waving back and forth <laughs> eyes closed and just like being totally catatonic and ooh, <laughs> and then suddenly you take your shirt off and like <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, that was good times. Yeah. It was definitely yeah, I mean, and then I smashed the window apparently and then and then it was pretty much over. Like I the the two things that were the most amazing were that I got all my stuff in my suitcase, even though I don't remember doing any of that before we left, and then um pretty much everyone was like, Well, it was kind of a sloppy mess by the end of it, but it wasn't bad. And I felt worse than everybody else because it was like, you know, that shame of just making an ass out of myself and everybody else was just yeah. having a good time, I think. Yeah, people generally enjoyed the gig. I mean, it certainly wasn't the worst gig in Conti, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and we also had redemption, I feel like, when I was back, I guess it was four years later and we did that gig there. and uh, That was a good gig. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, would, that came out exceptionally well, so. Just kind of we don't have any recording of that, do we? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's a shame. Yeah. There's like zero evidence of that gig. No pictures, no recordings, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was another one too, where it was like, that was, uh, I think like the drive into Conti was just a sheet of ice and it was like so fucking cold that night. I remember. Yeah. yeah it was a rather cold night. 
because uh, that that was the one where Pihak Willemma played, and it was like he he was trying to keep his fingers warm. Who else was playing that night? I'm trying to think. Uh, it was one of Penty's pro or no, uh, yeah, Penty's projects. It was um, I forget what it was called. It was kind of like psychedelic and uh, bo bottle openers. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. And then no, and then Masturbate played as well. You think? Hmm, could be. Because yeah. he had that hand, that mannequin hand, and he was coming through and touching people during the set. Yeah, I was quite drunk that night, so I don't have the best <laughs> recollections. Yeah, it was, uh, that was fun. I just remember I, I got a ride from Miko that night, too, to the gig, and he couldn't remember, like, we kept missing the turn, and at one point he was like, look, you just may have to miss this gig, I'm getting sick of driving in this circle, and I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we got there, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. You know, you've been to a lot of shows there. Like, Conti is kind of... I've never been to a similar venue or had such a, like a, an experience like that because it's basically like... I know that Nico would post pictures a little bit and you could ask him for directions, but, like, you can't really imagine where it is. And especially once you get to the overall spot where it was, it was like, unless you know, how would you know? You know what I mean? How would you find it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think I once took a, took a taxi. I think it was that night when we played last time together. I took a taxi from Helsinki to Conti, and this foreign guy was driving the car, and we were, like, telling, like, go further, go further, and he was, like, driving to this dark alley or something <laughs> like that. I think he was, like, thinking we're going to kill him or something <laughs> over money. You're like, no, it's I'm just definitely trying. out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and the, you know, it's kind of funny because, especially even the first trip I had out, the feeling like a little bit of um, shell shock or like surprise in the sense of, I played, the first gig I played, it was like every Finnish noise artist I listened to and had was collecting records from were all at the show, so I was just like, have I made it? Am I the big time now? And... <laughs> And then you go to you go to Conti, and it's the same kind of thing where it's like there's there's some new people and new blood sometimes, but it's like a lot of like all the people that you might feverishly collect records from are just there and crammed into the same shipping container as you. I think I I've always liked the when some guy from abroad came to play, or some new guy, and you you could kind of sense this a little bit of disappointment like this is it. <laughs> <laughs> is this really it that they're raving about yeah this this shitty little shipping container well i mean that was like uh der stormer played right and it was uh i guess they how did they feel about that did you get any sense were you there for that gig i think they were in general quite happy because they were inside all the time and we were like waiting outside oh, yeah. in the uh heavy snow rain <laughs> and stuff like that but I haven't heard anything negative about that gig except the uh, the drum set kept moving all the time. But that's about it. Oh yeah, it's tough when you got to chase your drums while you play them. That makes it harder. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good gig. That was the one Damn where it good. was like they were shoveling the snow out to make a walkway to even get inside right before it started and all that. Yeah, we did that work. 
Yeah. That was like Nico took me and my friend to the Conti in the in the afternoon and said like, we have to do some snow shoveling. So, okay, <laughs> why not? Oh shit. Okay, so then you did the uh, the Deviants DVD. Was I forget? Was that a DVD or and a tape, or was it just the DVD? VHS and a DVD. Okay. Oh, hold on, my dogs are whining. All right, Mika, I'm going to try to do this with my dog on my lap, but it's probably going to go poorly. Oh, your best. So, this is our new dog. He's very annoying. Oh, new, <laughs> new, new dog or the new dog? The new one, yeah, from a couple months ago. So, he's just staring Ben down right now. I'm going to fucking bite your face. Um, here, you hold him. No, he wants to sit no, on He me. wants to sit on you, bro. Okay, so... um. Have you, and I'm trying to remember, that was like, it was sort of a mega mix of, uh, like, porno, and was there live stuff in it, too, or? No, it was just the uh, original tracks from the first tape and video added to it. Okay. That's about it. Okay. Did you ever, um, did that ever go up online or on any of, uh, sort of the Power Electronics slash porno websites or anything like that? I know, um... Uh, Pazzy used to post on, uh, was it Arrow something or other? And... Arrow profile, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen my video anywhere. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if someone would upload it. Okay. So I could watch it sometimes. Was that, um, did you do that or did uh, the guy behind Wrath do that? Yep, he did it. Okay, okay. A very easy very easy project for me because he just asked, can I do this? I was like, sure. That was it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of my involvement in it. Yeah. And then what was the other big one I wanted to ask about? Oh, so the, um, I guess I noticed in general when I was listening last night with sort of moving from the, uh, CD forward and especially in the, the, the seven inch material, which I guess isn't officially out yet, or or maybe it is, and the Kalari three material, there's sort of um, it's like a focus more on like U.S. or I I, I think it's all U.S. cult stuff, but like sort of fanatical Christian cult whatever. Is that intentional or is that like I don't know? Tell me tell me about that. I guess. Well, it's uh, certainly an interesting subject. I would say. I mean, I think I had an idea to even do an album about that stuff mm -hmm. especially with uh, about the uh, David Koresh stuff mm -hmm. but then it kind of reduced down to just do three separate songs about my favorite cult happenings in the United States and I mean well USA loves that kind of shit so there's plenty of material to work on so yeah they were obvious choices and I thought the 911 call, it was especially effective on, I think it's the third track on the Kalari. Um, yeah, the Koresh one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is Lieutenant Lynch, may I help you? Yeah, there's 75 men around our building and they're shooting at us in Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel? Yeah, tell them there are children and women in here and to call it off. All right, all right. Uh, hello? I hear gunfire. Oh, shit.
Okay. And then oh the the other the other big one was the I think there's a story behind this the the woman who sampled in the beginning of Filth Pig from the what is it Valkoinen Kohina Kohima Yeah Kohina Kohina She's like local to you right something like that Um no not really I I think or maybe you were talking about the woman at the beginning of the the first track on the CD. Maybe that's maybe I'm mixing the two of them up. Yeah, because that's uh, certainly an interesting one because she was uh she was on a TV show about teen moms and she was well, I love that stuff. So she was the most degenerate one like addicted to drugs and just being a general mess. Okay. So of course that was very sort of very um inspiring for me and, uh, <laughs> then i did a little bit more digging on the internet and found out that well logically she had ended up doing porn and the whole clip was on some website i can remember nice but the interview that i put on the uh, on the track is just fantastic because you can just hear the uncertainty and the uh what am I doing tone in her voice? So mm. that was like super tasty for me. Boyfriend? No. So you are singing? Wild and free. And you want to fuck. What? And you want to fuck. Always. And suck. Yeah. Do you like cock? Big cock. Yeah. Huge one. Yeah. Small one. <laughs> do you have? Uh, do you want to have two cocks at the time? One in the ass and the other one in the pussy. Yeah. Maybe one in the mouth. So we Maybe. will have three. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are you planning to do next here? Banana, uh, <clears throat> the hard one. Me the mood. <laughs> <laughs> Tosi iso, ja mä haluaisin Ajatteko se imee sen muna? Joo, mä haluan imee sitä Pillu? Joo Pannaan? Kyllä Mistä asennosta? Dogistari Tuleeko muuta? En mä tiedä Onks sun toiveita? And that, that's the one that's on the CD, right? Yeah, the first track. And then, if I remember correctly. It, but so then on the on the compilation on the Filth Pig track, isn't is the woman in that like I thought she was some, I guess maybe just local in the sense of she was a like a Finnish, wasn't she like a trans woman who was a bit of a mess and like, am I? No, I think it's 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 a sample from uh, Johanna Tukian and Striptease Gig. Ah. She was she is. I can't remember if she's dead or not, but she was this kind of celebrity in Finland, but nothing interesting about her except that she's a mess. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, I mean, 
I don't know. I really like I, I and I don't know if you want to talk about the seven inch in a second, but for me that that track on that compilation and I think part of it too is like it's nice to hear your stuff on on vinyl because I think especially your early material is like such perfect material for tape saturation and the album you did the CD was like the perfect kind of thing for a CD although granted everything sounds good on tape but this was uh this track is kind of like that it's a little bit more rugged than the CD stuff but it's not as rugged as the much older stuff and it was just very cool to be like oh here's unclean on vinyl now and this is and then it's like an epic monster of a track so it's it's i don't want to say it's my favorite per se but it's definitely up there so track and i recorded in in it recorded the track in kind of limited resources and i had no places to record pretty much anything so i did it all in the living room so to speak okay but yeah turned out pretty good nice uh and then do you want to touch base on this the the seven inch stuff or is that i don't know if that's like a private release or sort of what the story is there either (laughs) (laughs) but yeah those tracks are definitely the best ones i've done so far so i'm really proud of those yeah i mean i i was listening last night and the it's that sort of what i think of as being kind of like classic finnish sound where it's the nice and well mixed like combo of clear synth stuff but not heavy electronics per se in the sense of it's not the focal point and then clear metal work. And there's even a little bit of samples and then gruff, but distinct and clear vocals. And so it's like, it has all the things to make it ugly, rough and rugged, but then it also is refined. These goddamn dogs. Okay. Hold on one second. 
I have to imagine your cats don't meow into the microphone and all the rest of that. I wish they did. <laughs> I can send you recordings of my cat. He likes to scream at 3 a.m. Yeah. Oh, these dogs, they just, they know when I record, they like specifically come to the door and then make sounds. And then they're like, we want to be included. So, but anyways, I was just trying to say it's, they're, they're like, not to use a, in the best way possible, they're like mature recordings. Not in like hot granny porn way, but like, uh, mm. which is also good, but, but in oh, the, favorite. like there, there's real compositional, uh, I would say it's like, um, how do you put it? Uh, confidence in like the, the compositional structure. Like they, they're just, and the, the fucking B side, the metal work on the B side has that squealing squeaky shit. And I'm, I was just re-listening to it last night. I was like, this is fucking excellent. So It's unfortunate that they're going to be such, I think, uh, I guess a super limited amount because it's like really excellent material. So, mm. Yeah, well, thank you for the kind words. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be quite limited, but that's the way it goes. But yeah, those tracks are really like uh, like a long way coming now that I have my, I have like a clear workflow with my recording setup. Mm-hmm. And I know when I want to do something, how am I going to do it? Right. I don't have to figure out anything anymore. So it makes things really easy. I think the biggest problem and the biggest reason for having uh, not that much output in the recent years is because I haven't had that workflow. And when I have to figure out stuff too much, I'm just kind of that kind of five-year-old mentality that I don't, I don't want to bother too much. <laughs> sure. But now I have everything. I have everything that sorted out. And now it's like it's really feeding my inspiration, stuff like that, because I don't I don't have to worry about that. I can just come up with stuff. Yeah, you you plug in and go rather than basically, yeah. you know, twiddle your thumbs for two hours trying to come up with 30 seconds of something tolerable. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, you know, I we've been talking about the the tape I just put together, the C60, and it's like 
the idea of putting together 60 minutes worth of material, even a couple of years ago would have been like, I'm not doing that. I'm just not taking that on. And, uh, I was able to just do sessions where sort of maximizing the efficiency, which I mean, sounds like I'm, you know, sucking the artistry out of it, but it's like, I know how to set up my gear exactly to get the sounds I want. And then I can, you know, if I don't flub the recording, then I'll probably get at least a couple minutes of usable harsh noise out of it. So I wouldn't take that kind of thing <laughs> coming up with like fucking one hour stuff. That's like two albums for me. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, there is this kind of, at least I think so. There is uh, this mentality, at least some older guys who kind of want it to be a struggle, you know, to get, get something recorded. There has to be this epic struggle to get the sound you want. Mm. And then it's like appreciated. But I kind of enjoy that. I have everything set up quite easily, plug and play, and I know how to get the stuff that I want. Yeah. And I don't have to spend like a fucking two days on it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's it's just sort of the... You know, people complain about one one way of doing things or things sounding with one artist and then they'll praise another person for doing the exact same shit. It's like there's a lot of, I think, inconsistency that also comes with who we put nostalgia glasses on or like what albums we liked first versus what we hear later. And I totally agree. It's like, I mean, I'll do it where some people I hear this and I'm like, ah, this isn't even interesting. What were they thinking? And then... <laughs> You know, I'll listen to a tape by somebody else that's like a single session live recording, and I'm like, brilliant, love it. Like, <laughs> and it won't necessarily uh, be drastically different, you know? Yeah, and probably the other guy spent like two days of coming up with such certain sound or something like that. But then, like, people don't know it, so they just might brush it off, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes it doesn't matter how much work you put into it. If at the end of the day, it sounds boring and uninspired like that just is what it is and uh it's the same thing in electronic music or metal or anything else like you overwork something and it can be just as boring as something that's underbaked too i can appreciate that kind of approach when the sound itself is very interesting and when you hear how how fucking difficult it was to it was due to create the sound then it kind of even more amplifies the effect Mm -hmm. yeah and then sometimes you'll get great shit that's just like a total unexpected um kind of uh like just just happens and you're like this is a one time one shot i'm gonna use this and then i'll never be able to probably do it again because i can remember miko saying about i think it was i forget if it was the i think it's the track myth of blood from that album was like they they came up with a weird feedback loop by accident using, um, I think the guy from Saudio's mixer. Uh, but it was like, they, he was doing it. And I think he was with Valhalla or Von Halla rather. And they were just dicking around and they're like, Oh shit, we got to record this. We got to use this. We got to like save this, you know, but then how do you get that back later can sometimes be a real nightmare. So I think every noise or power electronics artist, has had that moment when they are recording and then suddenly they just they are like hands off this sound this sound quickly recorded yeah and like don't touch anything <laughs> yeah and I... it's like 
this is the moment and then it's gonna be gone forever exactly i hope it i hope and then you realize you didn't press record or your tape had run out or some yeah. other horrible thing I mean, e even with our most recent collaboration work, I, I I don't know how many emails I sent you where I was like, yeah, I was recording for an hour and a half, and then the last half an hour, that was, the, of course, the best part, I had run out of tape and didn't notice it. So it's just like, you go, you go to listen through, and I'm like, I'm going to salvage some of this stuff. And then it's like, where's the good part? What happened to that? Yeah, did I imagine it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, that is always a fair question. It sounds, everything sounds great when it's loud as hell, and then... And then you listen to it on the cold light of your audacity or the tape or whatever. And you're like, maybe, <laughs> maybe this was more fun to make than it is to listen to. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had plenty of that, especially when we were figuring out how to record noise, when we were doing insular, we had everything like blasting a full volume. It was like, damn, this sounds so good. This is going to be the most epic track ever. Yeah. And then we listen to the tape and it's like, or something <laughs> and his shit yeah yeah i it, it brings me to one of the questions i wanted to ask which is sort of like if you have any tips tricks or just like general advice because i could it, it i think is like the most classic i started the same way it was like everything's gonna be live and it's all gonna be off of amps and then it was just like everything was blown out but not in a good way and all that clarity or like even the distortion from the amps that sounded one way on the amp, like it wasn't like we were doing fancy room recordings. It was just line out recordings. And so of course none of that translates. And then you just have a completely overdriven saturated mess. And uh, I'm like, is this power electronics? Did I do a good one? <laughs> Did I do a good? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, that <clears throat> if I have my shit down now, and I think it's been 10 years since my first tape came out. So I would say take your time and hone your craft. But then again, don't don't be too afraid to uh, just record and observe your th stuff. Yeah. And probably record one thing at a time. Yeah, that does make it easier. <laughs> a whole lot easier. Even though then you are captured in the uh, hellhole of mixing, but... Well, if you mix, if you, you know, you can just do it all in one take and then you don't have to mix shit. I mean, if, <laughs> yeah, that if, was my idea first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I stuck with that for ages. And I mean, I think some of it speaks for itself for better or worse. But <laughs> yeah, now, now you'll come over. We'll be sitting in your car smoking a cigarette late at night. You're like, all right, let me show you version one, two, three and four of this track. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there is something to be said about doing a little bit of editing and mass. Well mastering is not what i do but i let the tape do the mastering for me but uh yeah i um, mean being able to take criticism and especially make it constructive criticism like i think is essential because you know what your first one two five ten releases they may not be flaming turds but they're probably not gonna like you know change the world and if people have you want to make what's true to yourself or, you know, what you want to do. But uh, at the same time, if somebody says this sounds like shit, you might want to try this way to record it. That's probably advice worth taking. True. And I think even if you have a small label or something like that, don't be afraid to turn things down. Yeah. Like say, do it again or do it a little bit different. Because there is a lot of these 
well, I'm not saying a lot, but there might be some smaller labels who kind of are just happy to have someone on their lineup, and then they don't really give a shit what you bring to the table, and they just release it. Yeah. And then you're like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Like, ten years later, you're like, damn. I I wish someone would have said something. Yeah, I just think about the amount of tapes, fucking even 12 inches, you know, when we talk about other genres of music, of just, like, stuff that's just, like, just mediocre at best, and you're like, what, who, who were the yes-men that all said this, you know, and it's not even like uh, it was done nefariously, it's just, like, sometimes, I don't know, it feels like sometimes there's, like, a an AI program running it in the background of the world just churning shit out, you know? Oh, yeah. But just, well, this kind of, even as much as I love Danzig, it kind of reminds me of the last few Danzig albums. It's like, was there anyone in the mixing booth saying, like, maybe do, maybe don't do that? <laughs> like that. I don't, I don't think anyone says no to Danzig. Have you, um, speaking of Danzig, have you seen Verotica yet? No, I haven't, but I've seen a lot of interesting opinions about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I had watched. Have you seen it? No, Ben and I had watched the trailer when it was first uh, on streaming, and then I just recently watched the Red Letter Media, um, the half in the bag about it, which I don't know if you watched that show, but I mean, it's uh, it looks fascinating. It <laughs> yeah, like watching a car crash. Well, <laughs> I mean, I like like I sort of yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see. It's not like I would expect Danzig to change the world with his film, but it also looks like an alien made it, you know what I mean? And that that seems fascinating. Yeah, but I'm kind of I'm, I'm interested to see the uh the latest one, the uh the vampire spaghetti western thing. Oh, I didn't even know about this. He made this. a new one? Yeah, he's even like acting in it. Oh, oh no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> No, trust me, we watch a lot of very, very shitty horror movies that we absolutely love, so it's one of those things where it's like, we'll talk about it, because we watch so many fucking movies together that we talk about, we're like, yeah, well, we'll get to it, and like four years will go by. Yeah. Even... I, have the... I'm sorry. I have this kind of, kind of uh, I think Danzig is going to be like the fucking Ed Wood of 2000s or something like that. <laughs> That would be amazing. I mean, I hope because the the one thing is if you really start to churn churn them out, like then it, that in and of itself becomes like interesting in the sense of uh, you you wind up like being able to look at like a larger one movie by a director one time. It's like a small little. It's like looking through a peephole into their psyche. But if they put out twenty movies, then you really get a roadmap to the madness. You know. And, uh, and it looks like that Veronica movie, like there's a level of like, it doesn't seem tongue in cheek, which is what makes it so good. Like, it looks like it was like when he finished that, he was like, I fucking nailed it. Yeah, no, it, it was done in full earnestness. And I think it was based on a comic book he wrote. Yeah. I believe. Or was involved in. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But when you think about it, him doing movies, he's investing his own hard earned money. Yeah. So. Gotta respect that, that he's, like, blowing money on these movies. Yeah. It's a terrible investment. Also, sure. it gave us this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, go go for it. Yeah, definitely. So, 
So to that end, I I did want to talk about sort of like influences or things that you just like that maybe aren't influences. As far as movies go, are there any movies that you would point to and say like, yeah, this movie influenced what I'm doing with Unclean or or just sort of like shit that you just really like that you feel like is in line with it or anything like that? Because I, I know for me, like there's a couple movies where I'm like, that like directly inspired what I do, but I don't know for you if you have the same kind of thing. Actually, when you sent me the kind of things you want to talk about, I tried to think about this question and I really can't come up with any movies that would have influenced Unclean. Maybe if I want to mention something that would be probably Lilia Forever or something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. That movie's fucking brutal. I mean, in a good way. Yeah. It's really, even a degenerate like me feels kind of feels something when I'm watching it. Have you even almost empathy? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's possible. I believe that you may feel it one day, Mika. But um, have you ever seen? Uh, I think it was Import Export, which was I, I don't know if it was by the same director, but as that similar kind of like Eastern European sex work brutal like life is hard movie type of thing. No. I haven't seen that movie. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I, like, you know, I'm a fucking slut for movies, so I can't <laughs> help but be influenced by them, but it's, I don't think it's a mandatory thing. Is there is there any other, like, outside art for you that really does it, or is it more of a, because, I mean, your project, I, I mean, you could describe it better than me, but I feel like it's more of, like, less fantasy, more sort of real-life issues, themes, happenings so it's less about like make believe and more about what happened almost that's definitely what inspires me most is just the shit that actually happens that or has happened mm -hmm. that's definitely a big big thing and well various types of types of pornography always is a tasty catalyst for recordings definitely sure yeah fair enough I mean, they're their own little mini documentaries and of depravity in their own way when you think about it. So I don't think about it. Oh it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking earlier, and I was saying to Ben, it's like my my new thing lately has just been dudes fisting girls but jerking themselves off at the same time while their fist is in the girl, and it's just like I don't know what happened in my life to get me to this place. It's not like this is particularly a new thing. I'm just revisiting it, but. <laughs> Uh, the internet's so wonderful. Like, I wouldn't have even thought to do that or see that, but, you know, it was like, do you want to see this? And I said, yes, and here we are, so. <laughs> well, whenever someone asks me that question relating to porn, I'm always like, well, come on, show it. I mean, <laughs> I want to see everything. Yeah. Well, it, it's like back in the, uh, I don't know if you had, like, Kazaa or Morpheus or those old file-sharing servers, but... I can remember being a kid with a 56k modem. So like downloading pictures was a pain in the ass and you would like, I would search for whatever crazy thing I could think of porn wise and then like have to wait days for it to download. So you don't even know if it's going to be good, but like you've got some description. You're hoping it's not a, just a virus that you're downloading. You hope you're not going to go to prison for whatever's on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you get it. And like one of the videos was like, it was, it's obviously fake. 
and I, I, I want to say it's at least infamous, if not famous, but like it's this German dude sticking his bald head slowly into a woman's vagina. Ah, and, yes. And eventually, at some point, like it's clearly she has a prosthetic and it's not real. But like I spent days downloading that, and then it was like, well, now I've seen that, and uh, now I have to come to it. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> and I think I was like thirteen, you know, twelve. Like that shit makes an impression. Sure, I haven't seen that clip, but I can imagine it doing its wonders to a young mind. Yeah, and th- there was another one that was this double. Well, it eventually is a triple fisting, but the double fisting part's real. Of this, <laughs> like, well, he's dressed as a doctor. And <laughs> I don't think he went to medical school. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's fisting this female's ass, and uh, then this other female's fisting it with him, and then there's like a third fist gets in the mix, and. It was just like, you know, we just covered, uh, we did like a two-part thing on Hellraiser, and I feel like I'm a Cenobite, you know, explorers of further realms and um, pleasure and whatnot. Like, you just gotta see it sometimes. Yeah, eventually your hard drive's gonna put you in handcuffs. Yeah. One day. But... Porn, what inspires me most is kind of this amateurish, amateur stuff that's like the, uh, the pinnacle for me. I have never been a big fan of like American porn per se. I would say sure. it's probably the worst out there because it's just this kind of Hollywood style porn with all the cliches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's always nice to see or find something surprising or it's a little bit difficult to explain what I kind of like, but it's these imperfections that I really like. Well, I mean, I, I completely understand all I watch is amateur porn. So that like, I mean, these were videos as a kid, but now when I, it's the same thing, right? Because seeing somebody paid to do it, fine. I mean, I'll still watch it, but seeing people who do it now, it's the, the waters are so much muddier with like only, only fans. fans and... Yeah. It's all this oh, like, yeah. paid amateur shit. But I would say up until about five years ago, most of the time, if you found some really wild amateur shit, like that was just cause that's what they, at least one person wanted to do that uh, in that video. And it, it makes it so it more about exhibitionism than anything else. Yeah. True. And real degeneracy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like when that girl who's like face is getting stepped on and her neck's getting throttled and like whatever horrible things her boyfriend's doing, but like she's clearly fucking loving it and hating it at the same time. And then especially if there's multiple of the same girl, like the same couple. And you're like, this was not a one time because it's our anniversary video. This is like, a. it's just exciting to know that like I could be on the bus with that person. And then you find that huge download file. That's like 200 pictures and like 30 videos. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like, you know, finding a certain model that you like or so. And then you kind of find the, uh, hit the gold mine where you find like tons of pictures and videos of her. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's an exciting moment. Yeah, it, it truly is. And I, I think I've talked maybe a little bit with you about this. I was talking with Keith before he passed a lot about it. I've been involved in some, some of my own tasty little zines and stuff for this kind of thing. And the, the issue that has stalled me out is like this one specific amateur girl. She did all these videos with her husband and then they they they're like so popular that they always come back but they constantly get stripped from the websites and all the rest and i've 
they're like, God, it must be, the original postings must be almost 10 years old now. But there was a period when you could find out her real name and then she still had her whole MySpace up of, like, there wasn't anything risque on there, but it was contextualizing what I had seen in these videos that were posted over a series of years. And then seeing, like, her before that, during that, after that, in these MySpace pictures. And then eventually I was able to track down her Facebook, which was for a period unrestricted. And so getting all those pictures of her, now she's got a kid, and I think she has two, and it's like... It... I can totally relate to that because that kind of, you know, you enter the zone of like the personal life and then the uh, the porn life, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of, it could be the girl next door kind of thing. Right. It's it's just nice because uh, I think it was at your bachelor party we we were we were talking about porn and everyone else there but us were like, you guys are really this much like you're that. Do that weird about porn, and we're like, yeah, pretty much. So, it's nice to know another <laughs> fellow degenerate. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've kind of thought these things in my head a lot, but I haven't really that much spoke about them with well, well, maybe a few guys at work, but that's about it. So it's a little difficult to uh, shape up the idea that I'm chasing. But there is a certain very um, thing about these amateur things and stuff like that when you get the best best of the both worlds you kind of get to see their normal self and then this kind of hidden degenerate self mm. so it's it makes it interesting much mm. more interesting yeah yeah i'm always well i'll just <laughs> let me put it this way i'm always on the lookout for former and current clients and uh i think <laughs> i think at least one time i found a video that was from one of my clients from her and her ex. And I was like, I did her divorce, but she is not divorced here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, ah, uh, but <laughs> anyway, we could talk about porn for a long time. We really could. I, uh. I, I did want to ask you a couple other sort of more on theme questions. Uh, so as far as, uh, gigs played, do you have any other, I know we've talked some of the stories, but, is there any gig in your mind that you played that you were like most personally satisfied with as far as unclean goes? Hmm. Probably the last official ungeek gig I played at Conti with Hal. Okay. That was a good one. That was pretty much everything went right as planned. And is that, that the was... one that the he did the live tape for? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. That's a killer gig. Um, yeah, that's good. And is there any anybody you would like to play with that you haven't played with as far as, like, on the lineup? Well, I thought about this question as well, and I, I really can't think of anything because, I mean, how I would approach this question is which band I want to see. I mean, I really don't care who, I'm, who am I playing with, but I do care that I get to see their gig. Sure. And what's the answer to that? Oh, Tiff. Well, that's a good question. Let me think about it for a while. Sure. Probably some American new things that are coming out. I think the thing, uh, the pain appendix, oh, seems yeah. pretty good. At least the stuff that I've heard so far has been pretty good. 
Uh, but I mean, the gigs I would like to see, I can't see myself playing with them. Let's put it that way. Sure. Well, and and that's what I mean. Just from a just in general, like as far as bands you want to see, whether it's noise or not, who 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 are those groups that you would love to see, but either can't because they're dead, broken up, or whatever? Like, what what would your what were your sort of um, like if you could turn back time or or make it happen? What would they be? Mm, definitely White House. Mm, yeah. Okay. Fair. I I had I had a ticket for a White House gig in Helsinki, but uh, William Bennett broke his ribs or something like that. Maybe two weeks prior to that gig, mm. so it got cancelled. And Consumer Electronics played instead. No complaints about that. But that was my one-time chance to see White House, and didn't happen. But yeah, White House definitely okay. would be one of them. And if I've had to come up with anything else, well, a few more times of typo negative wouldn't hurt. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's a, there's a lot of Japanese projects that I would love to have seen. Minecraft would be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I saw I saw him in New York a couple of years ago, and it was even better than I expected. So that was, that was nice. Awesome. Yeah, and of course, Incapacitants would be awesome to see. Yeah, I I had the opportunity to see them two times when I lived in Japan, and both times I didn't go. One time because I was broke, and the other time because like I just I don't know I couldn't get my shit together. But they they played the they played right before I left. It was like forty five dollars a ticket, and I was like, ah, that's so much money, blah blah blah. And now I'm like, is there too much money? Like I was in Japan, they played. 15 minutes from where I was living and I couldn't cough up. Shame on you. For real, true shame on me. So I was like, God, I'm a fucking moron, but well, we all have to have those regrets. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. Any other, uh, trying to look at the list. I think, I think we've covered most everything. I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about. I, I have the sort of fun questions of favorite beer, favorite food not that those are particularly important in the one sense but it's always just interesting to know well speaking of where would i like to play a gig i would definitely would like to come back to states and play gigs that's on my list definitely but i don't know when when that's going to be possible Mm. well when you come i mean it'll be i know last time was more of a pleasure trip and plus having to haul gear around for a week and a half sucks but yeah, when when that does happen, which I'm sure it will eventually, I will certainly help to to get stuff going in this area. So, yeah, and if anyone who arranges gigs is listening in states, definitely when I'm coming, I'd I'd like some help. Yeah, but whenever that is gonna be, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think we've covered a lot of it. Is there anything anything else you want to add or? much not much i think we've covered all that i have to say about unclean so okay that's pretty much everything you have asked and uh i guess we can just say leave it sort of vague but you've got your you've got some um spicier projects you're involved with too and i think those in the know already know and i guess people can kind of find out about that on their own kind of a thing it will run in. I mean, 
if they run to into it, they are already too deep into something. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, are you still involved with that black metal band from Kuopio at all? Doing electronic uh, uh no, not anymore. Okay. And uh, well, but I did have that. I don't know if Gangrene is ever gonna wake up and do another tape or something like that. That was an interesting project with Edge of Decay guy. Yeah, I thought that tape was particularly. It was a. It was sort of free flowing and a little bit weirder, I would say, than the stuff I normally expect from you. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it kind of fun to do something with uh with someone who i don't know that well mm-hmm. i know their music and stuff like that so it was there wasn't too much of that friend factor involved so to speak so sure. it was but it was surprisingly easy and quick thing to do nice so we'll see we even played one gig together but i don't know how that kick turned out i haven't heard any comments about it or haven't heard any recordings of it so okay hard to say yeah anything you want to plug or mention before we sign off uh well nothing is there isn't much well the seven inch is coming out at some point but uh i think people will find out that find out about it when the time comes okay and then i guess should we mention the uh at some point, potential uh, Suomi American Hate Alliance, or sure, totally forgot about that. got at least the initial master we're gonna see what you know sort of the opinions from the, the, the person whose hands we got it into we'll see if this is gonna get a, a quote-unquote real label release or whether i'll be dubbing 50 copies at home and laboriously printing and cutting and folding and doing all this shit with with uh consumer grade you know production tools not commercial yeah we'll see yeah but, I think it's I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't want to toot our own horns too much, but uh, it's it's definitely a more accurate picture of the stuff I'm doing now. I think it's 
maybe less compared to the seven inch it's very different in in some ways from your current stuff but mm. but it's been a long long time coming this this uh collaboration because when you think about it the first one we did was 2012 or something like that yeah and in the heat of almost my... 10 yeah i yeah it's uh because i think we did it that summer i think the turnaround was pretty quick but that was when I was drinking like a fiend, and uh, I still have very mixed feelings about my portion of that project, and so I'm. I feel like this is redemption for me. So, I think how the Art of Deviance collaboration came up came about is it's really really raw recordings. Yeah. At least to my ear. Yeah, I think that's fair. Of the lyrics I wrote for that are like I revisited the lyrics when the CD came out, and I was like. I must have been in a really interesting place in my mind at the time. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. It's yeah. like the lyrics I was reading were like, I probably wouldn't write that stuff now, but that was that time. Yeah. I just remember I have a distinct memory of recording the material I did with your samples at home. And in the part of the recording process, I got so... Uh, wild that I wound up smashing. I basically like broke or well damaged my parents' table that was in the room. They had like a big sort of second dining room table, and I smashed it with uh, a huge piece of metal. And um, and I just tried to put a tablecloth over it when they because <laughs> they, they were out of town and they came home and they were like, "How did this happen?" I was like, "I have no idea." And they were like, "Really? You don't know?" I was like, "No idea." So it must have been the dog. But uh, yeah, raw raw is definitely the word. Yeah, and it's, it's like really doesn't have that much bassy tones. It's more like this mid range, high range, like. I, I think the solo track I did for it called A Armoa, that that sound is like, how the hell did I come up with that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think your part of the collaboration is, is a lot... I, I like it better than what I did myself. But yeah, no, it's 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 fearsome stuff. And it's cool to hear it now on CD and, you know, re-released in 2021, so... Or 2020, yeah, I was, it was. Yeah, I was surprised that it came out. Yeah. Like, Phil had the... Uh, 
have the enthusiasm to put it out on CD, so no objections. Yeah, if that's how he wants to spend his money. <laughs> yeah, sure, and I'm glad he had the master tapes, because I have absolutely no master tapes of those songs. They're gone somewhere yeah. in time. Well, I really appreciate you joining us. I'm glad we got to do this um, after so many years of talking about it. And um, yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was interesting to uh, have this kind of a conversation about me. Yeah. <laughs> as, a, as an egomaniac, I love talking about myself. So that's why I have a podcast. Yeah, but, that's uh... very true. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can tell you, I, I've, I've been listening to this shit stain talk about music for the better part of a decade, and it sounds so much better coming out of your accent than his. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but he still does the podcast with me anyways, because, you know. I've it got... gets me away from my family. Yeah, I know. So... <laughs> Classic. Yeah, thanks sure. for, for uh, listening, and later, nerds. Later, nerds.